Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to a very special place, the island of Mazzorbo in the middle of the Venetian Lagoon to meet Matteo Bizol, CEO of Venisa, to tell us about a very special project, a very special wine and a very special place. Buongiorno, Matteo. Thanks for being my guest today. How are you? Ciao, Mark. I'm, I'm doing well. It's a wonderful day here in, uh, in Mazzarbo, so I'm really happy to be with you. Great. Well, I'm really happy to imagine myself on the island of Mazzorbo with you. But for our listeners, can you, can you give us a sense of where you are, a sense of this special island in the Venetian Lagoon? So the Venetian Lagoon, it's a, it's a quite big lagoon. You know, it's composed mostly, obviously, by, by water. And there's uh, hundreds of, uh, of little islands. Mazzorbo, it's in the northern part of the lagoon, and it's close to Burano Island, which is famous for the colorful houses there's a bridge connecting burano and mazzorbo and it's close uh, as well to torcello which is the island where venice actually was started 1500 years ago wow so mazzorbo itself has a has a lengthy history although it's not an island most people have heard of it too was was important at the beginning of uh, the venetian civilization in the lagoon wasn't it yes yes it was it was uh, there used to be around 20 churches in uh, in mazzorbo just to understand understand how big that island was and actually the name come from uh, major uh, the major city so there was uh, actually thousands of of people uh, living in uh, in that area that was the first uh, place where, where venice was uh, was started mazzorbo torcello amiana costanziaca and then around the year 1000 people moved uh, from that uh, part of venice uh, to venice uh, which is actually today 30 minutes uh, southern by water taxi you know but at uh, that time that was a little bit longer because uh, uh, there was no engine in the in the boat so used to take uh, it was a uh, quite a travel to reach uh, uh, venice from uh, from mazzorbo sure and it's still an adventure I know uh, it's a very special place to come to. I've come by both by the Vaporetto, the, the slow boat, but as well, the nicest way is to come on one of those sleek and beautiful and very fast uh, Venetian taxis. Yeah, it's it's quite convenient to reach uh, to to reach Mazzarbo from uh, from Venice, and it's a very beautiful journey and travel to to be on a boat on the on the lagoon. That's uh, that's definitely an experience uh, that I recommend to anybody that uh, that travel to Venice. Definitely. Now, what's interesting, you know, you've mentioned all of the all of these islands. These small islands, large islands around the Venetian lagoon. We tend to think of Venice, we think of we think of the main island of Venice, but uh, these islands once had agricultural products growing on them and still do. And viticulture used to be prevalent 
Perhaps there were vineyards even in Venice itself, but viticulture died out. What happened? So uh, the history of viticulture in the Lagoon of Venice uh, goes back to 2,500 years ago. So even before Venice was started, at the Roman time, the Romans used to, to have uh, vines uh, in, the, in the Lagoon of Venice. So that's a very big history, and we really need to understand that the, the islands of the Lagoon of Venice has a completely different history compared to Venice itself. Venice is a city which is really based on the trades and merchants, uh, so everything uh, is around that. The Lagoon of Venice is a completely different culture. It's a culture based on nature, okay? So people always uh, live the by nature, thanks to nature. So uh, obviously water was very important. The fishermen, uh, village of Burano, which is nearby Mazzarvo, as I, as I, I told before. But also this, the, the land and the soil was very important because uh, Mazzarvo and Torcello, and then also Santerasmo, uh, Le Vignole, other islands in the, in the same area, always, uh, uh, people always lived uh, by nature because they used to be uh, poor people, you know, and, and so First of all, they were they were growing uh, their gardens. That they were growing the land that was uh, that was available. And if we look also to the names of the island of Venice, uh, there's an island in the area which is called Le Vignole. You know, Vignole, Vigneto, Vignole, and uh, Vigneto obviously means vineyard in uh, in Italian. Actually, the island there's an island which uh, is now called uh, San Francesco del Deserto because uh, San San Francesco came there, but before used to be called uh, the island of the two. Vineyards, l'isola delle due vigne, and then other and other names that remind us this history of agriculture and especially viticulture in the in the Lagoon of Venice. So we really need to understand that making wine in Venice, making agriculture in Venice, is not something strange, but is actually part of a tradition of the city. So it's very important to preserve this tradition because making viticulture and wine in Venice in Venice is completely different than making it in any other place in the world so also the systems that has been invented by the venetians to raise the vine in a, such an environment where you have a high tide and all these uh, challenges these are systems that only exist in venice and you know this is really part of a history and the, and the patrimony of of the city so it's very important to maintain this history alive well that is really really fascinating to put it in that historical context and to think of of what uh what the challenges are and making wine from grapes, from vineyards that, that, as you say, have to be able to survive aqua alta, the flooding, normally uh, uh, a saline, brackish water flooding onto a vineyard would uh, cause great damage. How come that doesn't happen with your vineyard on Mazzorbo? Because I know it actually can flood at times, can't it? Yes, actually, the vineyard uh, has been flooded in, in the big 2019 Aqua Alta, and we, we actually were very worried about the consequences of this, uh, of this Aqua Alta because we know that it's a very dangerous phenomenon. And actually, the Aqua Alta was in November, and up to April, we didn't know if the, if the vineyard was surviving or not, you know, because that's the winter time where the, the, the vines are actually sleeping. So the, the point is that... Uh, 
in Venice exists a grape variety, which is called Dorona di Venezia, which is a local grape variety. So this local grape variety adapts itself to survive in this environment. You know, vine, it's an amazing plant that... Uh, in Italy, we have more than 1,000 different grape varieties. And the reason is that uh, each grape variety adapts itself uh, to a special environment, uh, to special condition of the soil, of the weather, of, uh, of everything that find uh, in place where it's living. So Dorona di Venezia adapted itself to survive uh, in the Lagoon of Venice. And it's a grape variety that uh, uh, was almost extinct because uh, when we started in 2002, we only found 80 vines of Dorona di Venezia in the Lagoon of Venice because people after, you know, the 60s and actually there was a very big flood in, that, uh, in 1966 uh, that created damage even to Dorona. But actually after they lost um, most of the vines, after raised a lot of opportunities uh, in tourism, uh, in, the, in Murano glass factories, uh, uh, living, being a farmer in Venice was very difficult. It was also expensive to uh, to grow things uh, uh, in Venice. And, and with the motorboats, it was easier to transport things from out of Venice to, to, to in. So in that time, during the 60s, the 70s and the 80s, we lost the, uh, the tradition of viticulture and agriculture in the, uh, in the island of Venice. We were lucky enough to find uh, some of the last farmers of Venice, especially Gastone Vio, uh, that uh, was still growing some vines of Dorona. And then actually we were finding vines of Dorona almost everywhere. Maybe, you know, one vine in the center of Burano Island, a few vines in Torcello, in front of the Basilica, some vines in the Vignole, even in the states where we're growing actually today in, in Mazzorbo and our neighbors also has Dorona. So we collected 80 vines and um, we um, reproduced it by a selezione massale and, uh, uh, and so we were able to replant the vineyard in, uh, in Mazzorbo. Wow, that is a fascinating story of how this particular grape unique to the lagoon um, was preserved. It would have been lost if the Venisa project hadn't found a way to keep it alive. And it, the extraordinary thing from what I've tasted, Venisa, is that it's a grape. Being able to survive is one thing, but it's a grape that's able to produce an extraordinary wine. That's a fascinating part of it. And um, tell us a little bit about, about the wine itself, because it's unusual. Yeah, it's a white wine. It's a white grape variety. The, um, somehow, if we need, you know, each vineyard, uh, its, its grape variety is related to, every, to other grape varieties. So if we need to place a Dorona in that shin, we would place it in the families of Trebbiano, Garganega. So these are quite ne um, neutral grape varieties that reflect very well the terroir. So it's, um, uh, you know, Trebbiano and Garganega are wines, uh, are grape varieties that can produce wines uh, that are completely not interested in terms of quality, but can also produce some of the greatest white wines in Italy. Okay, so it's really uh, depend on where the vine is uh, planted and how the vine is grown. We will have uh, incredibly different uh, uh, results. Uh, if we think about uh, the Trebbiano of uh, Valentini or some of the, of the Soave, these I, I think are really some of the best Italian uh, wines, but uh, actually Trebbiano grape varieties are also used to, to mass production for mass production wines. So it's very important that uh, the Dorona di Venezia is in his own environment, the Laguna of Venice, 
because I always believe uh, that uh, it's, it's not a matter of having a special grape variety. It's not that Pinot Noir makes uh, a great wine everywhere in the world. Pinot Noir makes a great wine for sure in Burgundy, you know, and Riesling found itself perfectly in Vacao and in uh, Moselle. And, and Nebbiolo grows perfectly in Piedmont, but we don't uh, have examples of great Nebbiolo somewhere else in the world. So it's not only a matter of the grape variety, but it's always about how the grape variety found uh, the perfect symbiosis with the terroir. And Dorona di Venezia found a, very, a perfect symbiosis with the Laguna of Venice. So that's very important because it's allowed to produce a very balanced wine, a very elegant wine, a wine with a, obviously a great personality because uh, the terroir uh, is very, it's quite unique. The grape variety, it's, it's different. So we're talking about a white wine, which is produced with a maceration on the skin. And also here, there's an, there's an historical motivation behind that. The reason is quite simple. In Venice, there was no possibility to build an underground cellar. Okay, because actually, you know, with the high tide, with the risk of the high tide, if you if you build the underground cellar, this can this would be flooded with uh, with the high tides. Okay, and underground cellar, it was very important in the past to produce a quality wine because uh, it allowed to keep the temperature low during the summer. So uh, the the Venetian had to go around this problem and to find a solution. You know, Venetian people are are incredible. They found solution to many problems to, to in order to be able to to build a city in uh, in a lagoon. And it's the same thing with the history of this wine. You know, they found incredible system to to grow a vineyard, and they they found systems obviously also to make the wine. So maceration was the solution. Because with maceration, you were able to extract the, the tannins and the antioxidants that are in the skin. This allowed the wine to survive and last longer, even if, uh, if it's not in a, in a perfect condition during the summer, even if the, if the cellar gets a little bit warmer than, than a normal cellar. So the maceration was really the tradition of uh, making wine in Venice. And we kept this tradition, obviously, also for, for our wines. So we make a maceration that uh, lasts around uh, 30 days, one month for the Venisa and uh, around one week for the Venusa, which is the second wine of, uh, of Venisa. And then uh, uh, we, we have it, uh, we, we keep the wine in concrete tanks, that's uh, for a few years. And we release the wine only around uh, four to five years after the, the harvest, because these wines really need the time to express themselves. And these are wines that can age uh, really, really well. If we have to drink the best uh, uh, Venisa wines today, we would uh, need to drink a 2010, 2011 vintages. Okay, now it's a it's a it's a wonderful wine, and I've had the opportunity to taste it at Venisa, so I I can really understand what you're saying. It's a white wine made almost like a red wine in that sense, with this long maceration. In a sense, it's also a become a symbol of the Venetian lagoon and of the heritage of the lagoon. And this is reflected in its beautiful packaging in the bottle and this unique label that the bottle has. Tell us a little bit about this and why you wanted to present the wine in this way. The reason that uh, bring us to produce a wine like Venisa was not just to produce wine, but was to uh, restart and keep alive 
a tradition of the Lagoon of Venice. And as there is the tradition in the Lagoon of Venice of producing wine, there are other amazing traditions of handcrafts, some of them that are related to glass. We all know that Murano Island is very famous for, for glass. So we felt that in this project, uh, there needed to be a place uh, for also the handcrafters of uh, Murano. And, uh, and so we, we don't produce the glass in, in Murano because that's, that's artistic glass. And also, you know, otherwise the, the, the cost and the price of the bottle would be amazing only for, uh, for the reason of the glass. But uh, we wanted somehow to, to have it uh, on board. So we found uh, actually Dorona means uh, the golden grape. This is uh, the, the, the Italian translation of, uh, of the name. And uh, in uh, Venice, there is a family that is called the Battiloro, the gold beaters. That is the last family of a tradition which is almost extinct, which is, uh, yeah, the gold beaters. They make the gold leaf by, with a hammer and they have this amazing tradition that goes back to, to centuries and centuries. And they are now the last uh, families that is doing that. And we are actually the last producer of the gold grape. So we, we wanted to somehow try to keep both the tradition alive to help uh, out also this uh, this tradition to be more well known uh, and uh, in in uh, Murano island the gold leaf is baked into the glass so there's a family in Murano that is specialized in uh, applying the gold leaf to uh, to the bottle to the glass so they actually cook the the gold leaf inside the the bottle and they engraft uh, they write uh, the Nissa and the number of a bottle out of a total number of bottles produced uh, in the glass. Oh, it's such a beautiful bottle and it's a really fitting bottle for this special wine. Now, Matteo, Venisa is a wine project, but it's more than that. It's also a hospitality project of bringing people to Mazzorbo with the hotel, a wonderful restaurant and an osteria. Tell us a little bit about the hospitality side of Venisa. Yes, we so Venisa it's a, it's a claw, it's a 2 hectare claw in the island of Mazzorbo. It's completely surrounded by this medieval wall and there's a, a, a tower from the 1300s that is in front of the vineyard. So it's a very beautiful place. And in the past this place used to be a winery up to the 60s and there was a big building that was the house of the uh, of the winemaker and the family, you know, of the farmers. Uh, so we decided to renovate uh, the buildings and to create uh, hospitality to, to be able to taste the wine with our guests uh, in front of the vineyard, because this is really how you can really understand the uniqueness and the magic of this uh, and the history that is behind this, uh, this wine. So we created uh, a restaurant which uh, got uh, the Michelin star in 2012 and got uh, also the green Michelin star last this year, just a few months ago uh, for sustainability. Uh, we grow our own vegetables. So we, we don't use any plastic also in the cuisine. We don't use a sous vide technique. And uh, then we also created uh, an Osteria Contemporana, which is a kind of a bistro, a more easy format for, for the people that want to pass by and just have a, and just has a nice dish in a beautiful place and drinking our wines. And we also created the rooms. So it's we really suggest to, to spend the night at least uh, in the Lagoon of Venice. Uh, actually, spending a few days would allow to really to discover the lagoon. But at least one night in the in, in the Lagoon of Venice really make uh, make you understand what is um, the essence of these islands. Uh, 
because uh, if you come during the day, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's tourists that come to Burano. Uh, you have a different perception of the island. But if you sleep and you have a walk in the evening and in the morning and you meet the local and you see, you know, the real life of the island, I think that's a great experience and you can really understand uh, uh, the essence of this uh, of this island. So we really wanted to to give the possibility to to the people to discover the native Venice, to discover this part of the lagoon, and to experience our wine in the place where the wine is produced. Yeah, it is a it is a really really special complex that you've developed uh, both from the vineyard point of view, but also as a hospitality uh, and a unique island Venetian hospitality. But I'm interested to to talk more about the food. I know, for example, you'll have fishermen bring fish direct to the restaurant. The orto, as you said, um, is producing vegetables. All of these products coming from the lagoon have their own special flavor and really allow visitors to taste the lagoon in a way that can't be done anywhere else. What are some of the special dishes or special ingredients that are you know that are really part of the experience. Yes, it's uh, it's quite difficult because our our menu changes uh, a lot based on uh, on the season. But uh, just to make an example, there's a, a raviolo which comes with all the herbs that grow spontaneously in uh, in the Laguna Venice. So we we really want also to emphasize not only the fish but also the the herbs and uh, and the vegetables that grows in Venice because uh, as I told uh, agriculture w- was very important in the history of these islands and the vegetable that grows in Venice has a very special and distinctive uh, taste and also the the herbs that grows in Venice has a very special and distinctive from from that saline soil. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that's uh, that that dish uh, really valorizes uh, this type of flavors or another example that well represent our cuisine it's uh, a, a spaghetto uh, with a garum garum it's a roman preparation which is based on uh, actually the leftovers of the fish this uh, uh, sound, sounds a little bit strange but it's a it's a great uh, great taste and a great way to really to use everything every part of a of the ingredients and uh, and actually the taste is become really really nice and uh, this garum it's uh, comes also with uh, the dorona grapes uh, juice which is obtained not by the the, the grapes that we use for the wine but uh, by the grapes that we don't use. So this comes by the green harvest grapes. So we make the green harvest, but we don't want to throw away anything. We conserve it. And at the restaurant, they use this for this dish. And they also make an ice cream with Dorona juice, green Dorona juice and powder of licorice. And uh, and then the spaghetti to complete the dish, uh, there it comes uh, some some herbs from the tenuta and uh, a gold leaf which is placed on it to tell and to remember that uh, actually what uh, most of the time we throw away is actually uh, gold. You know, you can turn uh, you can turn uh, something that uh, you you would throw away in uh, in something which is uh, has which has an amend an amazing value. That's really interesting. The garum, of course, was a seasoning of the ancient world, uh, and the Roman economy was fortunes were made on the trade of garum. So to have that taste, uh, that fish sauce taste uh, from the lagoon, is absolutely fascinating. It's a such a uh, a special story and and a special wine. And I hope our listeners will, when they come to Venice, will take a boat out 
to Mazorbo and discover it for themselves. I'm looking forward to returning again myself, Matteo. I love visiting you, and I hope to be back uh, soon. But in the meantime, I just want to thank you for being our guest today. It's been a real pleasure to uh, to talk about Venisa with you. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure for me to share this history. Good. Thank you, Matteo, and I hope to see you soon. All my best. All my best. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. everybody italian wine podcast celebrates its fourth anniversary this year and we all love the great content they put out every day chin chin with italian wine people has become a big part of our day and the team in verona needs to feel our love producing the show is not easy folks hurting all those hosts getting the interviews dropping the clubhouse recordings not to mention editing all the material let's give them a tangible fan hug with a contribution to all their costs head to italianwinepodcast.com and click donate to show your love 